0: everybody and welcome back to Next Gen Politics. It's Olivia, it's Neha, and Arushi.
1: And today we're going to be discussing the favorite American pastime, gerrymandering. So you might be wondering why Olivia called it gerrymandering. So this is because in 1812, Governor Elbridge Gerry of Massachusetts redistricted the state to benefit his party, the Democratic Republicans. People compared this shape to a salamander, so the word gerrymander was born, even though we call it gerrymandering now. Gerrymandering is the act of drawing electoral districts a certain way so that a certain political party or political idea is favored in the legislature.
0: At the state level, redistricting takes place about every 10 years, and whichever political party has the privilege of making sure the opposing party's votes don't count does it beautifully. So a big example of this is always in southern states, but especially Texas. We've had a lot of issues with that, especially in 2003 uh, with the big redistricting uh, because of... uh, big population spike in Texas. And District 25, which is my district uh, in Texas, was actually called the Fajita Strip because of its irregular shape, kind of similar to the whole salamander situation. The intention determined by lower courts was to curb the minority voting power, uh, but the Supreme Court eventually shot that down, which we'll talk about later.
1: So a proposed plan to help stop the effects of gerrymandering is the I cut, you choose plan, which is basically that the party in power can draw several maps of the state and the districts that they want, but the other party gets to choose which map is correct, which should supposedly encourage the party in power to draw more fair maps. This is still proposed, nobody's really done it yet, and it's unclear as to whether it would work, but it's an option to try to stop the bad effects of gerrymandering. There are four main strategies
0: to gerrymandering. Luckily, they all rhyme. Luckily, yeah. Luckily, they all rhyme. So the four strategies are packing, cracking, hijacking, and kidnapping.
1: Um, So preface, this has nothing to do with drugs. (laughs) Exactly.
0: So packing is when you force a minority into a majority-minority district. So you basically clump them all together in one space so that you have a lot of majority-majority districts outside of that, you know, one small clump. Uh, So you see this a lot uh, where Republicans will force all of the minorities into a very small district and keep all of the white people in very large districts uh, to encourage favoring Republicans. And then there's one called cracking, which is really evident in my hometown of Austin where you will have one very liberal space that is divided up into like eight pieces and they're all put into majority republican spaces so that it really dilutes the power so there's just no chance of anybody in Austin or any liberal city that's very heavily gerrymandering ever having a vote. So hijacking is when you pit two uh, candidates together when you want to get rid of one of them so only, you know, one can make it past and then you don't have as many opposing candidates to deal with. Then my favorite, kidnapping, is when you redraw a district to put the candidate or incumbent um, outside of the district so it'll be harder for them to get re-elected so they'll have to like move back into their district um, because people usually don't favor candidates when they don't even live in their own district. Okay so
1: now let's take it to some uh, Supreme Court cases. So the first major case involving gerrymandering was Baker v Carr in 1962 and this basically allowed the federal government to intervene in states redistricting on the basis that they were being unfair under the equal protection clause of the 14th amendment so this just brought gerrymandering beyond a political question and more of like a constitutional question which set the groundwork for many other supreme court cases to come regarding gerrymandering
0: so two years later in westbury v sanders the supreme court ruled that districts must have as close to equal population in each district as possible so that was really just trying to get us closer to the whole one man one vote ideal
1: About 20 years later, Thornburg v. Gingles reached the Supreme Court, and it addressed three main issues relating to minority groups. So first, they have to show that the minority group is large enough to sufficiently and geographically make its own majority district in a single member system. And second, the minority group has to be politically cohesive and show that. And third, that they have to show that the white majority votes block their method to defeat the majority candidate. So shortly after that, Shaw v. Reno reached the Supreme Court, and that basically ruled that it was a violation of the Equal Protection Clause to gerrymander by race, which was in happening a lot in North Carolina, and it also set the precedent for courts to strike down redistricting efforts if they were unable to get any other explanation besides one that involved race. It also set the standard that bizarre-shaped districts were usually indicative of racial intent
0: such as fajita strips and salamanders.
1: Moving to more recent Supreme Court cases, Gil v. Whitford was decided in 2018. It was the Wisconsin gerrymandering case, and the court ruled that it did not address a broader question on gerrymandering and the remanded the case to lower courts for anything further. Yeah, so the most common case that you've probably heard of is actually ongoing now. It was argued in March, and the decision's coming in June. So this is the North Carolina case, or Rucho v. Common Cause. And it basically has brought these three questions to the court's attention. First, whether or not plaintiffs have standing to press their partisan gerrymandering claims. Two, whether the plaintiff's partisan gerrymandering claims are justifiable. And three, whether North Carolina's 2016 congressional map is actually an unconstitutional partisan gerrymander. So, we'll have our questions answered on this in June, hopefully, when they deliver the majority opinion, but we'll see what actually happens. We have a feeling that it's not going to be good. Yeah, it's probably not going to go well, especially since Kavanaugh. (laughs) Let's not even say his name. So, the reason gerrymandering has been in the news so much recently, besides the court cases, is because in 2020, there will be a census. So, the reason why this is relevant is because of apportionment. Apportionment is basically a process to determine how many electoral districts a certain state will be given, and this is based off of the population given by each census, which is why this is done every 10 years. So basically, I'm sure a lot of you have heard about the controversy with the 2020 census, especially the proposed citizenship question. And the reason why the citizenship question is so important, besides the obvious facts about immigration and the current administration's crackdown, is that this question is gonna deter a lot of people from actually answering. And the citizenship data is basically how gets us the data on how many people live in each state, and that affects the apportionment. So if there are a lot of people that don't answer or give misleading answers, then the apportionment process will be skewed towards people who actually do answer, and the people who don't answer are most likely going to be minority groups.
0: Exactly. So this is really important because um, if you were an undocumented uh, person living in the United States, you're probably not going to tell a government official that you are undocumented. Uh, That's just plain scary, and uh, nobody wants to do that. And so you don't answer the census or you answer the census wrong. And then suddenly your community isn't getting resources allocated to it because they don't know that you live there. They don't know like how many people are actually living there. And it's just really inaccurate.
1: Yeah, because beyond just allocating electoral votes, it's also resource allocation, like funding for schools and other public institutions. So it's just going to be an issue that affects minority communities even more. So this is especially bad in the funding aspect, because the way the federal government most typically gives states money is through block grants, and the way that those are implemented are at the discretion of the state. So this usually just continues to skew against minorities even more, especially in the districts that gerrymandering and redistricting affects the most. Exactly, and
0: with um, more gentrification, especially in cities that are growing really fast, like uh, Nashville and Austin. Black and Latino people are being forced into, you know, smaller communities and it's so related, it's so intertwined that uh, black people aren't going to be getting resources allocated to them either. Uh, lower income people aren't getting their resources either. It's just like a, a, a massive mess.
1: So now the census question has already been argued in the Supreme Court, so there's nothing really we can do about that and its effects. But what we can do is make sure as many people as possible vote all the way up and down the ballot so you can get your voice heard and get who we really want into those elected positions. So please vote in 2020. Especially if you're going to be a college student who enters college in 2020, there are a lot of states who have laws that say in order to vote in state you have to be voting in person for the first time, so check that. Make sure that you will be able to vote in 2020. Plan your flights, plan some rides, register in your college state if you can not make it back home, but please vote. So anyways, guys, thank you for listening to this
0: episode of Next Gen Politics. Uh, We had a lot of fun recording it, even though it's not a fun topic at all. Um, We hope you will join us next time. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of Next Gen Politics. This episode
0: featured commentators Olivia Hoffman, Neha Mehta, and Arushi Mehta.
1: The outro music was written and produced by Lee Rosevear baby